This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, just a few quick announcements. I'd really like it if you'd do me a favor this week and share this podcast with at least two of your friends. If you like what I'm doing here, spread the news. Maybe your friends will even be so grateful that they'll send you a muffin basket. Or if they end up hating the show, well, then face it, they were never really your friends to begin with. So I hope you'll do me that favor. It won't cost you a thing. If you'll just share it with two friends or family members, then even if only half of them subscribe, we can still double our audience. Now, how fantastic would that be? Also, I hope you'll be a part of what I'm doing here and support the show by going to GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews and making a donation. Believe it or not, this show costs actual money, and whatever you can do to help is always appreciated, and it helps keep us chugging along here. That's all for now. Thanks a million, folks. And now, enjoy the podcast. President Carver, would you have resigned? Uh, I w- I w- I'm not going to answer that. Why? Because I don't want to. Why? Because I don't want to. Are you embarrassed to answer no, it? I'm not embarrassed. Do you but just I'm loyal to your uh, party? No, if I'm you not, I didn't get elected president. But I didn't I, get elected president. I'm sure you'd like to be, Carvel. Oh, no, not me. No, no, no. I could. If you want a scandal, if well, they look into my background, there's simply no mistaking my guest today. But don't be fooled by his homespun wisdom or his bayou folksiness because he's still one of the sharpest minds in politics. Today, I'm joined over the phone by the raging Cajun himself, political consultant, commentator, educator, actor, attorney, media personality, and prominent liberal pundit, James Carville. Carville gained national attention for his work as the lead strategist of the successful presidential campaign of then-Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton, Before entering politics, Carville worked as a litigator at a Baton Rouge law firm, achieved the rank of corporal in the U.S. Marines, and worked as a high school teacher. Following a crash course in political strategy under Louisiana political consultant Gus Weil, Carville partnered up with his longtime friend Paul Begala to form their own political media firm, where they racked up some impressive victories in the 80s and the early 90s for clients like Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, Senator Zell Miller of Georgia, and Governor Brereton Jones of Kentucky. But it was in 1995 when Carville and Begala rose to national attention, leading appointed incumbent Senator Harris Wolford of Pennsylvania back from a 40-point poll deficit over the White House's hand-picked candidate Dick Thornburg. It was during Wofford's campaign that Carvo came up with his winning strategy, summed up by his famous words, It's the economy, stupid. That same playbook helped Carville put Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton on the map and lead him to victory against George H.W. Bush in the 1992 presidential election. His role in the Clinton campaign was followed in the feature-length Oscar-nominated documentary The War Room, and he was honored as Campaign Manager of the Year by the American Association of Political Consultants. It was also during the 92 presidential campaign that he met and fell in love with his now wife, conservative strategist Mary Madeline, who was at the time working for the enemy as campaign director on the George H.W. Bush campaign. After 1992, 
Carville stopped working on domestic campaigns and began working exclusively on foreign campaigns, including those of Prime Minister Tony Blair in the UK, the Liberal Party of Canada, and Ehud Barak of Israel's Labour Party. In 2002, Carville helped Bolivian Gonzalo Sanchez de Lozada win the presidency in Bolivia, and it was followed in the documentary Our Brand is Crisis and the subsequent feature film of the same name starring Sandra Bullock. In 2008, he served as an advisor to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, but now he's returned to his roots, enjoying a slightly easier pace with his wife and two daughters in New Orleans, where he teaches political science at Tulane University, writes, and appears as a frequent media personality and political commentator. He was co-host of CNN's Crossfire, and he's appeared as a frequent political contributor on CNN's Situation Room and Meet the Press. He hosted a sports show on XM Satellite Radio with Luke Russert, son of NBC journalist Tim Russert, and in 2003 he earned his acting chops starring alongside his wife Mary Madeline in their own HBO dramatic TV series from executive producers Steven Soderbergh and George Clooney called K Street. You've also seen James Carville in other TV shows like Family Guy, 30 Rock, King of the Hill, The Muppets, Mad About You, and Spin City, as well as feature films, including The People vs. Larry Flint, Wedding Crashers, and Old School. He's the author of a dozen books, including We're Right, They're Wrong, A Handbook for Spirited Progressives, Buck Up, Suck Up, and Come Back When You Foul Up, and Take It Back. Our Party, Our Country, Our Future, as well as All's Fair and Love, War, and Running for President, which he co-authored with his wife Mary Madeline, and the follow-up to it called Love and War, 20 Years, Three Presidents, Two Daughters, and One Louisiana Home. His newest book is sort of an update and a sequel to his 1996 bestseller, We're Right, They're Wrong. It's called We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong. The Democrats' Case for 2016. Today he'll skip the talking points and get straight to the facts and research in his book that he says leads to the inevitable conclusion that he, James Carville, and the Democrats have been right all along. He'll talk about the research that he says gives lie to the conservative claim of being the party of prosperity and strong on the economy, Carville will ask what took Republicans so long to wake up to growing income inequality embraced by Donald Trump and why he says it's going to require much more complicated solutions than just closing the border and starting a trade war. He'll talk about what he says is the fundamental flaw with the idea of being a quote-unquote social liberal and fiscal conservative. We'll discuss recent speculation over Hillary Clinton's health and other Clinton scandals he says don't amount to a hill of beans, plus why he regrets encouraging people to engage in political discussions online, and a unique tradition that he and his wife, Mary Madeline, have on election night. Coming up with author, pundit, and Democrat strategist James Carville in just a moment.
Today I'm joined over the phone by the Ragin' Cajun himself, political consultant, commentator, educator, actor, attorney, media personality, prominent liberal pundit, James Carville. Carville gained national attention for his work as the lead strategist on the successful 1992 presidential campaign of Bill Clinton. James Carville and that campaign were followed in the Academy Award-nominated documentary The War Room. It was also during that campaign that he met and fell in love with his now wife, conservative strategist Mary Madeline, who was working for The Enemy as campaign director for the George H.W. Bush campaign. Carville was a co-host of CNN's Crossfire until its final broadcast in June 2005, and since then he has appeared on CNN's news program, The Situation Room. He currently teaches political science at Tulane University, and he's the author of a dozen books, including his latest, which is titled, We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong, The Democrats' Case for 2016. I'm thrilled to finally have him on the show. James Carville, come on, ça va. Oh, how you doing? I'm well. I'm doing all right. Well, James, I had your lovely wife on the show just a few weeks ago, and it sounds to me like this is the first election in y'all's long relationship that you're both equally pissed off at the Republican Party. Maybe so, huh? <laughs> It seems to be uh, there's a lot of Republicans that are mad at the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than a few. Well, I did ask her if you gloated or did a little happy dance when she changed her registration from Republican to Libertarian. She said you were a pretty good sport about it. You know, I don't, I don't. Uh, that's her business. It's her life, her politics, her political choices, her business, not mine. So. <laughs> Just between yeah. <laughs> you and me, James, on the inside at least, did you consider her re-registering as a libertarian at least a small victory for you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, again, you know, she has political choices. She has her own political philosophy, and I think she registers in a way that she, she lines up with that. I, I just generally don't, her politics is own business, and we've been around for 23 years, and I kind of view it that way. Well, I enjoyed the book because I'm someone who gets real sick of talking points. And you've loaded this book up with data and research, not just jargon. But many of us have this sense that no one cares about facts in this election anymore. Do facts still matter? You know, that's, a, you know, that's why I used the opening uh, thing about the 2.6 billion data points in a snowball. I'm not sure that they do. In fact, there's a lot of political science, there's a lot of research that says the more factual you are, it, the more it causes people to dig in. Uh, you know, the psychologists have this idea called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which says the more someone's beliefs are challenged and confronted by facts that contradict their long-held beliefs, the more they're going to dig their heels in and double down on those beliefs. Is that what's going on here? Uh yeah, I mean, the, the, a big talking point just got blown out of the water today when, you know, household income growth went up, like, over 5%. And now, how that gets reported or how it happens or how people digest that, I, I, I have no, well, I do have an idea. They'll just be disregarded, uh, just like the, the, the drop in the number of, of people in church. But I think over a period of time, it, 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 it will fit in. And I think even if you look at the climate argument, I think it's starting to starting to fit in with people a little more and more. Yeah, you know, the, 
the great Max Planck that, that great German theoretical physicist, he says that science does not triumph because it convinces its opponents. It triumphs because its opponents eventually die. Science advances one funeral at a time. And it, it's hard to convince people that have had a lifetime belief, belief that belief is, is erroneous. And I, that's always been that way, you know? Back even before Bill Clinton ran in 1992, you famously said, it's the economy, stupid. And in this book, you say it's still the economy, stupid. Now, the Republican mantra has been that they're the party of prosperity, but you cite some interesting research by two economists named Mark Watson and Alan Blinker that seems to indicate the opposite. Talk about that research and what that showed. Well, by any any positive economic indicator, from GDP growth to employment to stock market growth, you name it, it's been the, the Democratic presidents have by a large, large margin, outperform Republican presidents. I mean, it's just, there's not a, it's really not even a debate. And, you know, they'll say, well, the president, you know, doesn't have much to do with it, or president this, but I mean, there, there is not zero, there's overwhelming evidence, uh, you know, whether Democrats are lucky or whether they're good, or, you know, or whatever. But the one thing that we do know is there is literally no evidence that Republican economic policies work. And I point that out in the book. And, and most people don't realize that. I mean, it, 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 you know, again, and it doesn't matter what time frame you, you look at it. It doesn't matter what economic dynamic that you look at. Uh, it, you know, in, in the story, this doesn't do anything but get better and better now. Income inequality has become a central theme of this election thanks to Bernie and Trump. And you say that Trump dragged the Republican Party kicking and screaming to this issue finally. But Trump's solutions to bring back jobs and shrink that gap are to close the border, deport illegals, and renegotiate better trade deals with China and Mexico. And if they don't go for that, to raise tariffs. What's wrong with his plan? Well, for one thing, there is no trade agreement with China. (laughs) I don't know how he's renegotiate that would doesn't exist but but it sounds right um, and uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you would renegotiate a trade deal with Mexico of which probably the, the effect of it would be you'd have to ask an economist but it would cause the price of goods to go up and uh, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you do it there is no trade the United States does not have a trade agreement with China they're part of the World Trade Organization, of which I don't know, maybe there's a hundred many countries in the World Trade Organization, but a lot. So uh, I don't quite know what, what Mr. Trump is talking about, and I don't think his supporters know either. <laughs> he says that he'll raise tariffs to 45%. Well, it, it, you know, if you stop and you think about it, if you raise tariffs and you raise prices. Yeah. So if, if, if you, I, I, and again, I don't know. Quite if you went into the Walmart and everything cost 45% more, I, I don't think, you know, people out in the, the, the real world, as I do refer to themselves, would be very enamored with that idea either. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk more with author, pundit, and Democratic strategist James Carville when we come back in just a moment. If you're enjoying my conversation with James Carville, then check out his new book, 
We're still right, they're still wrong. The Democrats' case for 2016. And right now you can download the audio version of his book for free with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com slash kickassnews for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download, which can be We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong, The Democrats' Case for 2016 by my guest today, James Carville, or any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. Or click on the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now, back to the show. Now, if you ask most people where they stand politically, they say, I'm socially liberal, I'm fiscally conservative. It's almost become kind of a cliche on the level of saying I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You, know? <laughs> you say the people who say they're socially liberal and fiscally conservative are, in your words, the I'm with stupid T-shirt of politics. What's wrong with being a social liberal and a fiscal conservative? Well, I, I find myself, I, first of all, I, 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 it breaks, I, I'm both. It breaks my heart if I see, you know, a child without a, a, a male in the house helping raise it, and, and I see a child that doesn't have health insurance. It breaks my heart. I, I, I think that children, you know, should have uh, access to the best health care and education that they could possibly have, and I, and I think, you know, they should be raised in as good a families as they possibly can. I, I don't know, well, I don't think that's very controversial way to look at the world. I understand that we can't, and, uh, you know, I, 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 but there's no reason why we can't aspire to do better than we're doing. I think we can. Uh, yeah. And I don't, uh, when I say, when I say, a, so when I think of social, I mean, I think the idea that, that you know, being lax, children not having advantage of good parenting is what bothers me. And, and you say that the problem is these people who say they're social liberals and fiscal conservatives tend to vote Republican more than Democrat. Well, hey, that's a curve. So like I'm a, I, I am a Republican, so I'm a social liberal uh, uh, in that I don't have anything against gay people. Great, I don't need those. Well, 100% for gay marriage, but I, I really don't wear, I really don't care if a child has to go to school with a toothache. I don't want to pay to have that child's teeth fixed. Well, I don't think a toothache is the greatest learning tool that exists for young people. Well, let me ask you this. If those people switch from the Republican Party to libertarian like your wife, is that choice slightly less stupid and more consistent with the values of a social liberal and a fiscal conservative? You know, the, the problem with libertarians is, is it sounds good, and it's a big thing to have in the convention was whether that you know, you should have driver's license. If people wanted to drive when they were 11 years old, why not let them drive? I mean, I, you know, why why do I have FAA certified pilots? If, if, <laughs> if somebody wants to get an airplane and fly and you want to fly with them, why is that the any of the government's business? Presumably, the front wants to dump their sewage in their front yard, but like their sewage in their front yard, and they can do what they want, and you submit the wind blows the wrong way, but what the heck with you? I mean, I think it's a idiotic framework when you stop and think about it, to the truth. Now, you do uh, talk about the wife of your former boss, Bill Clinton. You equate the Ebola scare, anti-vaxxers, and the Terry Schiavo right-to-die case 
with every scandal that circled around Hillary Clinton from Benghazi to Servergate. Some folks would say where there's smoke, there's fire. So tell me, James, when it comes to scandals and rumors around your friend Hillary Clinton, why is it that there is no there there? Well, I, what I did, I, I think in my book, I put a chart as to the number of Ebola stories before the election than after the election. And I let the chart speak for itself. I, I was reading today that the New York Times has run seven stories, negative stories on the Clinton Foundation and one on Trump's $25,000 donation to the Florida Attorney General. I, I, I it's, it's, I think it's horrific. I think the Times should be profoundly ashamed of themselves. Well, your friend Hillary Clinton's health has been in the news quite a bit lately, and I've always been the first to dismiss these health conspiracies. You know, I feel like it's the same thing that they did to McCain in 2008, and that's not fair. But over the weekend, this video came out of her leaving the 9-11 memorial a little bit early, and it appears that the Secret Service is carrying her into a van, and she is unable to stand on her own two feet. Now, the Clintons have been your friends of many years. I would assume if she has a serious health crisis, you would be concerned as a friend. Should the American people be worried about Hillary Clinton's health, or is this just still uh, I, I a wonder what concerns she's going up. We know, we know exactly what she has. She has what does she have? From the doctor. She has pneumonia. Okay. Which is not the most uncommon disease known to man. And, you know, campaigning for president is hard. It's easy to get sick. You take all those hands, and, you know, well, I can't hand sanitizer you have to go through. It's a wonder people don't get sicker. It's, I just, you know, I don't know what the scandal is, but it must be one. Okay, so you don't think it's something more serious? I don't have any reason to think it's anything more serious. I, I'd have to think that her doctor's a liar, which I don't, okay. but I don't know. In one lighter moment in the book, you look back 20 years to the 1996 version of this book. You gave readers some bold ideas for how people can get involved in politics, and you suggested get involved in discussions on the Internet. Does that still hold up, or do you want to walk that one back a little? <laughs> I didn't even know to add the Internet back then. I said it, I guess I was out. You know, I don't, I've, I've become one thing that has changed. I've become very skeptical of anybody's ability to change anybody's mind. Yeah. I mean, I think in 96, I was a little naive and said, yeah, I presented all these facts. People would, would pick it up, read it, and say, well, gee, it's obvious. Why don't I change it? I don't think anybody is going to pick up my 2016 book uh, and say, well, gee, I didn't realize this. I mean, some people will that already thought that or felt it, and I've had a lot of people say, I didn't realize this economy did that much better under Democrats. Wow, you know. You know, I guess at, at some point you have to toot your own horn. That's why I thought the Mueller story was so fascinating that no one's ever heard of this guy, and he went to all of this trouble and did all of this work. And, yeah. and he, you know, and he was a very honest guy. And I don't, I don't, for the life of me, I understand how people still deny climate. That that's, that's right, just getting more of them. I mean, just, I'm, I, what do you need to be convinced? Yeah, briefly tell Miller, us what he was. Mueller is a physicist at UC Berkeley, and he had a, a theory that the climate people were wrong, that they were not taking the temperatures right, it was inaccurate, they were putting the thermometers in the wrong place. Uh, that, you know, he had a real scientific idea that it was wrong, so he went out and put a team together of like Nobel Prize winners and 
he went through a lot of fossil fuels to Exxon and the Koch brothers and other people too, and he raised a bunch of money and said, I'm going to do a deep dive and study this. And I think I'm going to show that, that they're all wrong. And so he studied it and he did 1.6 billion data points. And then he says, well, guess what? They're all right. I, I've tested it. I've had reason to think that it, they were wrong. And, and no one ever, and everybody just dropped it. That act like it didn't happen. Here's this guy did all this work, and I just like uh, uh, that's my story of how you don't change anybody's mind. It's yeah. a guy like this, you don't see this data and go, "Geez, this is really scary." <laughs> yeah, because they want you to believe that oh, they all just do it because everybody else is doing it. Even the guy that just went totally against type and said, "You know, all the people I thought were wrong were actually right." You just don't hear that very much in politics or in science or anything else. You say that the Republican Party's woes did not begin with Donald Trump. This is a long time coming. But you say that he is presiding over the death of the Republican Party, and you say you're making the case for why it should remain dead and why Democrats shouldn't follow it to the grave. It sounds to me like you guys are winning. So what's the danger for Democrats here? Well, I mean, the Democrats, first of all, Trump is not a Republican. (laughs) I right. mean, most Republicans <laughs> I know, because it's, 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 it's kind of weird that the Republican Party nominated somebody that's not in their party. I mean, the, the, the danger of Democrats is, well, not as organized as Republicans are, well, as much of a coalition of interest groups. And it's always takes some skill to, 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 you know, it's like herding cats when you deal with Democrats. And the other thing is, is, is you know, we tend to be more, well, we see six sides of the Pentagon. You know, we left kind of absolute. One of the parts of our book was, is, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've been literally right about everything for the last 20 years. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It's okay. You're, you're, you know, you're being vindicated every day. And most people don't even realize that. You know, gee, I, I mean, I kind of thought so, but I didn't know, you know, just, you and my, that's my point to, to say, hey, hey, guys, you're winning. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it must feel good to be right. You know, Donald Trump thinks that he's right all the time, too, though. <laughs> well, I you know he says that global, that climate change is a Chinese hoax. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we are less than two months from Election Day, and I was amused to read about a little election night tradition that you and your wife have. Apparently, she watches the election results in a room with her friends, and you watch the returns with your group. I think you said you call it Carville Kosher, huh? You know, she, she generally we're somewhere, you know, she watches her returns, and I watch my returns. And, you know, it's it just been that way for, since we got together in, you know, 1991. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just it's part of life. And it's okay. It's all good. All good. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Carville Kosher, as a little lanyap, you throw in a few recipes in the book, like Republican Party's Dazzling Red Punch and Trump's Steak with Vegetables, and you've got Senator Tom Tillis's Club Sandwich, which you have another name for in the book. But I just want to know, when are you going to come out with a James Carville Cajun Crawfish Boil Mix? That's money in the bank right there. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, again, the book is called We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong, The Democrats' Case for 2016. James Carville, thanks for calling in. I really enjoyed our interview. Good talking to you. 
Thanks again to James Carville for coming on the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then order his new book, We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong, The Democrats' Case for 2016. I'll include an Amazon link where you can order it in the show notes for this episode and on our website at kickassnews.com. Or if you'd prefer to listen to the audio version, you can download that for free through that special trial offer just for our listeners at audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. James Carville has finally gotten on Twitter as of last November, and you can follow him at at James Carville. Also, keep up with him on his website at jamescarville.info. Be sure to subscribe to Kickass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews. Or if you prefer, you can set up a recurring monthly contribution at patreon.com slash kickassnews. You can visit Kickass News on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at at kapolitics. And please be sure to recommend Kickass News to all your friends on your social media. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnewspodcast.com. But for now, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.